this episode, our parents start exploring how to use the polyvagal theory in parenting. My daddy's name is Justin Sinceri. And my mom's name is Mercedes Corona. They are licensed marriage and family therapists obsessed with learning about and applying the polyvagal theory. Welcome to the Polyvagal Podcast. So today's topics are building the vagal break as a goal of parenting and letting go of the idea of control. And then we have announcements, a homework assignment for the week, which I'm really excited about. We haven't had one in a while. No, we haven't. But I think I think parents need homework assignments. So I'm really excited to give homework assignments. Uh, and then we, we do <laughs> ask you to do, I really am. What we do ask you to do is put yourself first. This should, I don't think there's anything super triggering in this episode whatsoever. But just, you know, by the nature of stuff we're talking about, I think it's potentially triggering. But I think they should be good. Building the bagel break as a basic goal of parenting. I think this is a different way to view um, parenting, the goals of parenting. I think usually when we talk about parenting groups and whatnot, it's more about control and behavior and getting the kids to do what you want and stuff like that. But from the polyvagal theory, I think the building the vagal building the vagal break is a new angle on like how to view uh, parenting. So I think this is actually one of the fundamental responsibilities of being a parent is how is building the vagal break. Building the social engagement system effectively enough to build the child's self-regulation. So remember the vagal break, I talked about this way early on. The vagal break is the is the influence of the social engagement system on the flight fight shutdown responses. So if you have a strong enough social engagement system, that is the vagal break. And then therefore you'll be able to tolerate higher levels of distress, basically. You'll be able to tolerate situations that might put you into flight mode. If your vagal break is strong enough, you're not going to go into flight mode. You'll be able to tolerate more and, and deal with it. This has tons of uh, potential benefits for children as they get older. They'll be able to better recognize cues of danger, there, which is going to lead to them making better relationship choices, uh, better friendship choices. They'll be less likely to be in the places of potential danger or traumatization. So if you have a strong enough social engagement system, when those red flags come up, you'll be able to sit, like pause and say, well, I better not do that thing and then back out of it. Um, the kids that probably we both work with, but I know a lot of teens that I've worked with, they, they get in these very sticky situations um, because their their social engagement system, their alarms not going off, they're missing out on those uh, those red flags and they end up in some very scary situations. Um, so I think that's, you know, they'll be able, be able to better recognize cues of danger with a strong enough big old break. I think they'll be able to handle play with others better. They'll be able to, remember with play, we drop down into mobilization plus being safe and social. But if you don't have the safe and social system, you're just mobilized without the uh, the bagel break to kind of control it. Does that make sense? Yes. I think that's such a basic goal of parenting is um, raising kids and keeping them from danger. And not just you keeping them from danger as a parent, but also teaching them how to keep themselves safe and keeping them away from danger. So like listening to you list the, you know, talk about the making better relationship choices, better friendship choices, etc. Who wouldn't want that as a parent? I think when you look at things through the polyvagal lens, it, it sheds a different light on it. And I, yeah, as we were working on the outline, which had a few different iterations, I, I realized um, the vagal break is a big deal when it comes to kids. Mm-hmm. And really, as parents, that's a lot of what we do is does, is we don't intend to do it, but really it's to help them make, it's helped improve the vagal break, right? We don't call right. it that, but you know, better decision-making, finding healthy relationships, right. s- staying out of sticky situations. These are all, these are all, 
due to bagel break, having a strong enough bagel break. So I think as we move forward with the parenting stuff, that that's this is kind of like underlying, I think a lot of what we'll talk about is how to influence the bagel break, right? So the, yeah, the first thing is they'll be able to recognize cues of danger. The second one is they'll be able to handle play with others. That means that they'll be able to handle being mobilized using their flight fight system, but also having a strong enough social engagement system to keep that under control. We've heard about kids that don't play well with others. These are kids that kind of take things too far. They become too aggressive. They don't follow the rules. So if you if they have a strong enough bagel break, they'll be able to follow the rules, stay connected with others, use their facial connection during play, and they won't get too aggressive or you know break the rules and whatnot. Um, so handling play with others, they'll, they can engage without taking things personally. They can mobilize and handle that flight fight energy without, you know, taking things too far or hurting someone or breaking the rules and whatnot. I think this again, the the handling play with others, this is another major goal for parents because what we're really talking about here is socializing, right? Socialization, helping them interact socially with other people in a healthy, appropriate way. You don't want your kid to be the weird kid, the stinky kid, the rude kid, the, you know, whatever that kid. Uh, you don't want that. And and so, again, just kind of taking what, what you were talking about, it this is another goal of parenting is, is we want to help our kids become social creatures. We're human beings and human beings are social creatures. And we want them to be able to function in the world, not just as responsible people who can take care of themselves and keep themselves safe, but also who can get along with other people and not be, you know, hermits living in a cave somewhere in the forest. No judgment toward the hermits, though. No judgment towards the hermits. Sometimes I want to be a hermit. It's hey, <laughs> I feel like you'd make a pretty good hermit. I think I'd be excellent at it being. A hermit. I think you'd be really good. Do hermits have kids? Hermits can have kids, right? They sure. could just have like a hermit family. I don't see why not. So the another benefit to building the bagel break is they'll be more tolerant to those that are down the ladder. This means that if difficult situations arise, that a kids with strong enough bagel break will be more likely to use dialogue to handle those situations rather than force or running away or shutting down and giving in. And they'll also be more likely to use co-regulation as a way to help someone who might need, like someone's being bullied. Um, I think a kid with a strong enough bagel break is going to be more likely to help the kid in need and to use their co-regulation to kind of pick that kid back up and, and to help that kid out, you know? This makes me think of what we were talking about before when we were just doing just the straight Instagram live and we were talking about toddlers. It's it's the same thing again that we were saying that toddlers are kind of like the purest, most raw form of a human being. And this is what human beings without a vagal break, this is what they look like. They can't use dialogue and, and they become more you know aggressive or whatever to handle their situations. And so, again, a major goal, I know this is what we're talking about, but a major goal for parents is to help them learn how to how to be more tolerant and and use those more appropriate skills rather than more aggressive, inappropriate skills. Yeah, definitely. What we're saying here, Justin, is that people in a stuck defensive state are going to have a harder time utilizing their vagal break and their self-regulation. So this means their social engagement system has been cut off and the social engagement is the vagal break. There you go. There it is. So I, of course, people are wondering now, well, how do I do that? How do I build the vagal break, right? All right, well, we have answers for you. We have, we'll do just kind of a quick overview and I think we'll do some episodes that go much more in depth into each of these. But here's some, some basics here. Um, but even before that, I think it's important that we recognize that we are building the vagal break. This is versus 
typically what parents will think their role is, which is to change behavior or to quote unquote gain control. Um, a lot of the parents that I've worked with over the years want to regain control as if they had it in the first place. <laughs> more of that coming up. And which we'll, we'll just tease into. it. Yeah. That's coming up more. We'll talk more about that. Um, but yeah, this is uh, we're building the vagal break versus how to change behavior or how to gain control. And, and this is a really important distinction to make because our job as parents is to teach and to guide, not to dictate how children should live their lives. And I don't know about you guys out there, but if you've ever tried, Justin, I don't know if you've tried to tell your kids what to do and how to do it. It doesn't, it doesn't go very well. It hasn't for me, at least. No, I agree. Absolutely. So one of the ways that we can uh, improve or increase the strength of our children's vagal break is through modeling the, the kind of behavior that we would like to see to be the kind of people that we, to be the people that we hope that they become in the future. Ultimately, it's out of our control, but but uh, you know, just to model appropriate behaviors. This means what we do, what we say, how we say it, how we do it. And you know, those little guys are always watching. Always watching. You're right. Always watching. Those kids are. Yeah, there's a quote here from um, a parenting class I used to teach. Um, it says, "Oh, it's from James Baldwin. Whoever that is, I don't know who that is. I think he's a writer." Okay. Children have never been very good at listening to their elders, but they have never failed to imitate them. Yes. That is a good quote. I love that. It's really good. It's not about what we say. It's about what we do. It absolutely is. What we say is important, but ultimately it's what we do, really, that they they learn from, honestly. I think the most ideal situation is that what we say is what we do. Ideally, yeah. It's just really funny, you know, talking about how modeling, you know, what we model for the kids... Because (laughs) I used to look at my daughter and be like, what the heck is she doing? Where does she get these like mannerisms from? And I realized (laughs) it's me. (laughs) It's me. So I'll watch my daughter. And then every now I real honestly, the person who pointed it out was my husband. My husband's like, that's you. Like that, that is what you do. And I realized he was totally right. And as much as I hate to admit it, he was, he was right. And so I'll watch my daughter now and I'll think, where did she get that from? It's me because she watches me and she watches what I do and and the way that I act and she does those things. It's not necessarily a negative thing. It's just really funny to see her like sass it up and I'll be like, oh, that's that's mama. (laughs) That's mama bear. All right. So modeling, that's a a great example. So modeling is the first way. Second way that we have here is through play. Play is being safe and social plus being mobilized. It's using those two autonomic states. Yes. Um, what I love about play is that is it is so multifaceted. So I think back in the day, back in the dark days before polyvagal theory, I might have thought of play as very um, like one, one dimensional, I guess, so to speak. But play can be a lot of different things. Um, something that I do a lot is just like quick moments throughout the day. Just really quick little things like boop, you know, you boop them on the nose or just, you know, silly things Um, or having silly routines that you do with your kids. Um, I was telling the story. I think I was telling the story at work. I don't know if this sounds familiar to you, but when my kids were really little, like when they were toddler age and really like young children age, we had some issues with them putting their seatbelts on in the car. And so we came up with a system, my husband and I, we would make it really silly and, and make it kind of like a little game. And when your seatbelt was on, you'd say, holla. And so even mom and dad would say, holla, when they put their seatbelts on. And so I'd wait. You know, it was about safety and getting your seatbelts yeah. on. But instead of like mom turning around and lecturing with her finger in the air, put your seatbelt on. It was, holla. 
Nice. And I think, modeling. I think the Ooh. I think the play episode is gonna be a lot of fun. I'm excited for the play episode. Um, I think most of the time play is thought of as like a structure activity, like a board game or going to the park or, you know, a sports game. But play can be a ton of things. And I think the more play that you can infuse into your day as a parent, the more opportunities there will be for building the vagal break and and also for modeling, because I, I think play is something that can be modeled as well. As far as like learning to just be playful with each other as a way of interacting. So play is not just kids killing time. It can be, I guess. But it's also, you know, that they learn roles through there. They learn different skills. They practice different skills. But really, play, for our purposes here, is it exercises their ability to move up and down the polyvagal ladder. So they're able to use their safe and social system, drop down into flight, drop down into fight, or even drop down into shutdown. Like if you play hide and seek, you have to be very still, very quiet. And as long as you're socially engaged, you can handle that and it's just fine. But it's what exercises their ability to come up and down the polyvagal ladder. And that having stronger social engagement does equal a stronger vagal break, as we've said numerous times. The third way to build the vagal break that we have here, which eh, I'm a little iffy on this one, but is through consequences. And I'll explain why. Because it doesn't exactly build the social engagement system, but it can possibly build distress tolerance. So if a kid knows they're going to get a consequence if they steal a cookie, the first time they steal it, they'll just steal it and they get a consequence, right? But the, the idea is the next time they go to steal it, the social engagement hasn't improved, but their ability to tolerate the distress of not having a cookie might have increased enough to where they can stop and not do it and, and tolerate the distress because they don't want the consequence. That's the idea of consequences, right? So it doesn't really build the social engagement system, I don't think. I think you can do things that are attached to consequences and discipline that can build the social engagement system, but consequences in the of themselves don't really build it. So I think it can be a component of like self-control and self-regulation, but it doesn't exactly... So that's why I'm kind of iffy on that, but I still think it's important to mention. Um, so it really, a kid has to have a strong relationship for consequences to truly be effective. Kids that I've worked with that don't have a good relationship with their parents when there is some sort of consequence given it, it just doesn't matter. Like it, it makes zero, they've already lost everything. If they don't have their parent consequences, don't mean a darn thing. We will be talking more about consequences in a future episode. So we will definitely be going into a little bit more detail on that just to yeah. make it more clear for you guys. That's coming up. The fourth way that we have uh, listed as a way to improve the vagal break is through co-regulation real briefly co-regulation. We expect kids to have self-regulation off the bat, but it doesn't quite work that way. Self-regulation follows co-regulation. That's all the stuff that we do, all the safety cues that we give our kids to help them build their capacity to self-regulate. And that's going to be the focus of our next, actually probably two episodes, is all about co-regulation. That's where the, I think a lot of change can happen is through co-regulation. Yeah, that's a big piece of it. So, but before we move on to the next episodes in our parenting series here, and I think we're going to get pretty deep here, Mercedes. Mm-hmm. We're not taking this lightly. It's going to be some heavy stuff. I think so. I mean, parenting is a big thing. It's, it's a huge. I think it's good that we don't take it lightly. Absolutely. So before we move on, there's an idea that I learned. I did this thing called the Parent Project years and years and years ago. And um, I was being trained in it. And one of the ideas, one of the fundamental cornerstones of this parenting training program thing is that we do not control our children. 
And this idea, when I heard it, and I wasn't even a parent yet. I got really anxious just hearing this. I wasn't even a parent yet. And I think I was more thinking about the parents I work with at that time. And I'm like, oh, this is not going to go over well. But the idea is we we do not control our children. Mercedes, are you okay with that idea? I, yes and no. And so here's what I mean. And it kind of goes into the point that I was making on the outline, but I'm okay with it because that's what needs to happen, right? And as a as a therapist and someone who works with parents and, and I step outside of the bubble of, of being a parent and I can say, you know, this is appropriate and this is what we need to do. We need to let our children grow and, and da, 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 da. But no, I'm not okay with that idea because these are my babies, <laughs> you know? They're... They're my tiny little babies. And like, (laughs) the truth is, this was something that I, before I was a parent, before I became a mother, it's something that I thought about a lot because, you know, I got married and, you know, the next step is having kids. And we were talking about having kids. And I was thinking, I was already preparing myself, you know, this kid will have to leave. Not because it's negative or because it sucks or whatever, but because that's what life is, is because one day this child will be an adult. And I don't want to be the mom of the 45-year-old living in the basement who runs around in his robe all day and (laughs) takes care of 16 cats. I don't want to be that mom, and I don't want that to be my kid. So to avoid all of that, right? Right. (laughs) So to avoid all of that... You have to let the kids go. You have to let them learn and have their own lives because otherwise they're living in but the But I mean, we don't control them. So I think it's really important. Right. That, so I think what you're like, yeah. I think Did I go off on a tangent? A little bit, but, <laughs> but this is a really difficult idea. It's an easy idea to accept and I can, I can sell people on that. But it's an, emotionally, it's a difficult thing to let go of to, that you have control over your kids and their choices. I, I think what makes it more difficult is that at the very beginning of their lives and for a chunk of time, we do control them in a way. I mean, obviously they are their own people, but when they're infants, we can physically, you know, physically pick them up and put right, them where right. we need them to be or whatever. And so I think the difficulty with that concept is, is you're right. I think it's an easy concept to grasp, but not to, um, what's the word? Um, Emotionally accept or let go of. Yeah. Yeah. To let go of the idea of control. Yeah, because then... To emotionally accept that that lack of control. Yeah, and I I don't know if maybe it falls more into the category of habit. Because, when again, like thinking about an infant, right? An infant, you can, you know, you can't control when they cry or anything, but you can control where they are located and, and, you know, when they eat, et cetera, et cetera. And then when they become toddlers, that's when I think that's a hard time in life for the parent and you can speak to this being the parent of a toddler but that's when they get more control of their their own bodies they get more control of their choices and so we have to start letting go of that control that's what i'm saying at some point you can tell okay there's a choice being made here right but no even then like i control the stuff in the house i control the food i I control what kind of food we buy like i I control what dinner time is like that stuff i have control but ultimately we do not control their choices right even my son, he's almost four years old. He makes his own choices. Absolutely. And I don't control that. Okay. When <laughs> he tells me no, it's like, okay, he, he's able to think right. for himself enough to where, all right. So, yeah. but before we move on, people, I think, have to accept they don't control their kids. And this is going to really be ultimately liberating. Once we can let go of the emotional control or the belief or maybe even the delusion that we control other people, 
this is going to be a big step going forward in implementing new things, right? Ultimately, you know, we're talking about parenting and this is our parenting series. And so ultimately you have to think about what kind of a parent you want to be. And so kind of thinking about that, when you're attempting to control your children, that only results in negative interactions. And these negative interactions will accumulate over time into a negative relationship. And you don't want that. Nobody wants to have that. You know, like you don't, you're not right. dreaming of having a kid and, and saying, you know what I want? I want to have a contentious relationship with my child. Of course nobody, not. nobody does that. So think about, just understand that the control will just leave, lead to a negative relationship with your kids. And a little bit of, uh, excuse me, a little bit of validation here. When, when your children are born, they very much feel like a part of ourselves and they're just not. And that's a, that's a painful thing to say. That was a painful thing for me to accept. They aren't a part of ourselves. They are their own little people. And we have to be okay with that. I think like there's a figurative level where pe- we feel like they're a part of us. Emotionally, they're a part of us. Like, yeah, right. But right. we're talking about... The, real, the like, same way that in, you could say a spouse. Like, I can say that yeah. my husband is a part of me. Right. You know, et cetera, et cetera. But, but it's their own They are nervous their system. own person. Yeah. I call them nervous system. I know. I know that nervous system <laughs> equals person. Human being. <laughs> so let me, let me, I want to sell people on this idea because I know there's a lot of anxiety out there and doubt. But think about a time, think about a time, dear listener, when you were a child and you, or a teenager, and you broke a serious house rule. Mercedes, can you think of one? You don't have to share it, but can you think of one? Uh. I yeah. can think of many, many times that I broke house rules. I was a good kid. I didn't. Were you? <laughs> I was, but I mean, yeah. I, I was a good you. kid uh, as far as everyone knew. <laughs> and then I was not. <laughs> okay. Pause for a minute. Are right. Mama and Papa Sonzeri listening? <laughs> Do they listen to the podcast? No, my parents know what's up when I was a kid. There's probably a few things they don't know about. Yeah, there are, but they learned a lot. So on the sly, I was not a good kid. So th- think about that time that you broke a serious house rule. Um, did your parents have control over you? Nope. Absolutely not. Okay, now think about the last time your own child broke one of your rules. Did you have control over them when they broke that rule? No. Nope. Absolutely not. <laughs> no, really what, what you do is we re- what we do is we just respond to the choices they make. We don't control them. If, if we control them, they would not break the rules. All the parents that come to my parenting groups over the years, I tell them, like, if you had control over your kids, you wouldn't be here. There would be no problems. They would do exactly what you want them to do. You wouldn't. You just wouldn't be here. So we simply do not control our kids. So on that level, I think it makes sense. Like, people can be like, yeah, okay, I made my own choices. My parents responded. And maybe you got in trouble. Nah, whatever that looked like, which could look like a lot of things, right? But... Ultimately, you chose to sneak out at that night. You chose to have a relationship when you weren't supposed to. Or you chose to steal something. Or you chose to skip school or cheat on a test or whatever it was. Your parents responded, but you chose. Just like your kid this morning chose to not get ready for school on time. Chose to uh, what, you know, not take a shower tonight even though they were supposed to. And all you do is respond to that. You don't actually control them. So this makes logical sense, but really the, the thing that has to change here is on an emotional level. On an emotional level, we have to accept that. Extremely challenging. This is probably the biggest obstacle in the parents I've worked with is, is accepting this. But once they do, things really open up. 
very challenging. And once you do accept this, you'll you'll become a lot more creative with how you parent. You'll you'll be once you like when I remind myself when I'm dealing with my kids in a tantrum or when they tell me no about which is pretty much nightly about bath time. Ugh, I I get creative, and I I, t- I remind myself I don't control him, but I can definitely influence him. And I know he likes to race, and I know he likes to play with cars. So, hey, let's play with cars in the bathtub. Heck yeah, Daddy, I'll do that. I don't control him, <laughs> but I can definitely influence his decision. We'll talk about that more in the future probably. I think you're right too. I think some of, some of my most creative parenting um, you know, interventions have come from that place of, shoot, man, like I <laughs> – we're either going to dig in and, and, and like really butt heads – yeah. Or I'm going to get creative to find a way out of this because that, there's no way that I'm going to make him or her do what I'm telling them to do unless I get smart. No, but it's either, yeah, either you dig your trenches and you shoot it out or you become a lot more creative as a parent. And uh, that comes from letting go of control. That's the first step. We have a ton of influence over our kids. We really do. And I this just makes me think back to how I saw my parents when I was a kid and they were just the sun and the moon and everything in between, you know? So, so just think back on that for yourselves. If that helps, we have a ton of influence on our kids. And I believe that the relationship we have with our children lies in how we respond to their behaviors. So again, thinking back to the kind of parent that you want to be, think about the kind of relationship you want to have. And if you want to have the relationship, the contentious one of digging the, in the, you know, digging in the trenches and, and shooting at each other, then, you know, have at it. Good luck to you. But that's not something that I want for myself. Yeah. This brings us right back to the ways that we can build the bagel break, which is modeling, play, consequences, and co-regulation. These are four ways that we can influence. There's more. But there's four ways that we'll be going into throughout this series. And I'm sure we'll touch upon some other stuff as well. I had two new interviews uh, published uh, recently, one with Dr. Nicole, the holistic psychologist. Many of yes. our listeners came from Dr. Nicole. We yes. appreciate her and you. She's got quite a big following. A little bit. <laughs> a little <Yeah>. bit. <laughs> so yeah, one with her, which I thought was, I'm really proud of that. That was a lot of fun. And she's super easy to talk to. That was great. And then another one with uh, Bill Gassiamis. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Um, that was called uh, Recovery After Stroke. And we talk about poly- we don't talk about stroke stuff. We talk about polyvagal theory. And apparently, he was saying that a lot of a lot of people who are recovering from a stroke, he said, oftentimes traumas will surface or resurface through that process. And so mm. that's why he wanted me to come on and talk about polyvagal theory. And again, I, th- I thought that was a lot of fun. Also, so two new interviews. You can find those. There's a link in the description. I basically I have a website, and on that website there is a a page that says media, and on that page are all the interviews that I've done. Thus far, Mercedes and I did our first interview together. That is coming out pretty soon. We'll let you yes. know when it's ready. I'm excited for that. There's all kinds of Polyvagal Podcast new content coming out. And we're now we're uh, bleeding into other people's podcasts as well. And you can find all those on my website, justinlmft.com slash media. Your homework assignment, fellow parents, is to check in with yourself about not being able to control your kids. We want you to notice what sensations and thoughts pop into your head. They might have already popped into your head and your body already. A little anxiety, a little loss of control, feeling like a little overwhelmed maybe, or dread, or you might have thoughts about, you know, eventually they're going to get addicted to drugs, end up in prison. Those things might oh, be going through yes. your head. Oh, yeah. my gosh. That frightens me so much. So we've all, I know we've put the thought out there. 
check in with yourself. How's that setting with you? Uh, notice throughout the week. And honestly, I'd be really curious to see what people think about that. I would love to get some responses through DM or whatever. So feel free to reach out to one of us. You know what? It's been a while since we have, we've had an audio clip from a listener. So I'm just saying, peeps. I would love We'd it, love yeah. to hear from you. Literally hear your voices. So that'd be cool. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening to Mercedes. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and its new shorter format. This was a bit shorter. We want to know what you think about that in the Trauma Nerds community forum. It's the non-therapeutic forum for the Polyvagal Podcast listeners to discuss the episodes with each other and with us as well. We hope this episode has had a direct and positive impact on you. If you missed something, there are more detailed show notes in the link in the description as well. Thanks so much. Bye. Thanks, guys. Uh, the third benefit. And again, it, pause. I'm gonna I'm gonna start giving you like a signal. Um, <laughs> I need it again. I think <laughs> you lately you've been like boom, boom, boom. Which I'm I'm on board. You get me all excited about polyvagal theory, but time out. Mercedes's turn.